Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, welcome in, folks. It's the Rugby Pass podcast. Today is Wednesday, the 12th of October. It certainly is where I am anyway. And it is Tuesday, the 11th of October, where our guest today is Tom Hamilton from ESPN Scrum joins us on the Rugby Pass podcast. A good evening to you, Tom. Hello, Simo. How are you doing? You're as enthusiastic as ever about talking to me, I can tell. I need more enthusiasm from you. This is the problem with English rugby. I need more enthusiasm. It's when you look out and it's about three degrees, (laughs) it's dark, um, (laughs) the whole lot, and it's probably going to rain, snow, the whole lot. So it's just kind of, this is is my ray of sunshine today, Sumo. You are hunkering down for winter, and I like that. And the club's hunkering down for the opening matches of the Champions Cup, the European Championship Gets underway this weekend, Tom. I'm going through the pools here. I want to start with a pool discussion. Uh, I'm thinking pool five might be the hardest pool to call. That is Clermont, Bordeaux, Exeter and Ulster. I like that pool. That pool is exciting to me. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in that pool, you have the best player in Europe, which is Charles Piertown. You've got the entertainers, Bordeaux. You've got Clermont, who are going great guns in the top 14 at the moment. You've got Exeter, who started the season perhaps a little bit slowly by their own standards. But mm. I think, you know, once they get their good, like the best players back, get Henry Slade pulling the strings, get Jack Noel fit when he's not doing his um, judo, uh, and then you're off and flying. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get on to the judo sessions in just a moment. Going through the rest of these pools, though, uh, probably the big match, the most talked about match, comes in pool three this weekend. Uh, Toulon taking on Saracens. Uh, it's a tough pool, that one as well. The Scarlets there representing the Welsh and Sale who haven't been a force in English Premiership rugby for a long time, but both Sale and the Scarlets are capable of a little bit of a jutterbar, a little bit of a hiccup for those big clubs. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, last weekend I was at the wreck on Friday night to see Bath versus Sale. Sale, by their own standards, were really, really poor. The previous weekend, mm. they knocked over Leicester with a bonus point victory. So there you have the sort of the, the two extremes of um, what these Sharks are capable of. Um in terms of the Scarlets, uh, you know, when they get going, they could be the great entertainers. People like Scott Williams, such a good player. You've got John Davis there, well-established British and Irish line. You've got Wayne Peebach, the coach. He's well-known to um, New Zealanders. So they've definitely got the capability there to do something. But I think if you look at Toulon and Saracens, You've got Toulon sort of at the next year, and you've got Saracens, who are just the best team in Europe at present. Yeah, I totally agree with you, mate. Uh, look, elsewhere in this uh, Champions Cup, pool two to me, uh, Toulouse and Wasps in the same pool. Connaught, let's not count them out, given their victory in the Pro 12 last year, and uh, Zebra is there for bonus point takes, that's for sure. But the Toulouse-Wasps rivalry in pool two will be one to watch. Absolutely. I think, again, Wasps are probably the favourites there to go through. Um, Wasps kind of learned a valuable lesson I think last weekend against Saracens but they've still got Kirby Bill and Willie LaRue to come back and then in terms of uh, Toulouse they're currently six in the top 14 so they're kind of off the pace and I think they're going through a transition period at the moment the likes of 
you know, Toby Sod's expected to leave at the end of the season. And then it's a case of, and Tulafua, actually, they're a very gifted hooker. He's off the Saracens. So if you're looking at that pool there, I think you're looking at Wasps really to be driving that one. Um, Zebra, mm. I mean, the Italians find it so difficult to get any sort of momentum, both in the Pro 12, international and so forth. And I can't see that changing anytime soon there. And then you've got Cornwall, who, again, have started the season slowly, but they've got a really, really canny coach. They've got a team there who knows what it takes to win the title. And they'll fancy their chances of causing uh, the odd bitch or odd upset, which is a bit of a strange thing, talking about a Pro 12 champion. But that's what it will be if they end up knocking over wasps. Oh, I totally agree with you, mate. Uh, we moved to pool one, and uh, you know I've got a soft spot for my list of Tigers, my friend. But what a wonderful pool this is. Glasgow, who are in the ascendancy, I think, as a force. Uh, you've got Munster, who have been there, done that before. And uh, quarter zone 92, otherwise known as uh, Russing, uh, will be making up that pool. So yeah, some big clashes there and a lot of different styles of footy. And I think that, that's the joy of the Champions Cup. When you look at these teams, they all go into the draw. They all come out with their own brands of rugby. But I think pool one, given what the Tigers do, their four-dominated play, given what Munster have done over the years and what Russing can do with the stars they have, uh, this is a really exciting pool for me. Yep, bang on there. Um, Russing runs two French champions. Uh, when they get going, they're unbelievable, like to Dan Carter and so forth, pulling the strings there. Munster, they're showing really good signs of improvement under Razzy Erasmus. So they, I mean, they're way off their sort of mid-noughties best when they had the yeah. likes of Paul O'Connell, Peter Stringer, Ronan Agar and so forth. Glasgow had the potential to be the great entertainers uh, with Hogg, these sort of guys. Um, they're doing what they can do. Um, Finn Russell when he's fit. And then Leicester, kind of a slow start to the season for them. But then they have probably, in my view, um, one of the top sort of two inside centres in the world coming at some point, Matt Moore, who's just so gifted. But when he... If they can get front football, then they're absolutely laughing because tomorrow, in my view, can do absolutely anything. He's made for the Champions Cup in the same way, you know, definitely made for Super Rugby. But if you're mm. taking a Southern Hemisphere um, import, well, export to English, where you look at the imports into the Champions Cup, then it will be, I mean, Tamur is just going to absolutely love it. Yeah, what I like about that move for Tamur too is he gets to be coached by Aaron Major and we know how good and how analytical Aaron is and a similar position, a midfielder coaching a midfielder. I see Matt Tamur growing leaps and bounds with this club. I completely agree and he's he's such a gifted player. We saw the impact he had, I think it was in the third test when he finally came back from injury against England last summer. Similarly, in the autumn, I think the autumn before last, Tamur was just unbelievable. Mm. He is the man. Um, and then Aaron Major, I mean, he knows a thing or two about inside centre. <laughs> yeah, so, right. um, he's really helping these guys come on. I mean, uh, there's a guy, there's a try at the weekend uh, scored by Veanu, which kind of had that sort of Aaron Major heads-up approach to it. So Veanu basically just ran through uh, the whole of Worcester and then the Warriors as well, all in one. <laughs> um, so he he was basically, you know, that sort of try, backing yourself, like yeah. Peter Beatham as well. Yeah, uh, it's really, really exciting. JP Peterson. So Tamur is just going to love it. There. I love Vainu on the weekend, and uh, also Sean Maitland. And no uh, coincidence that both of those players coached by Aaron Major during their days with uh, Canterbury and the Crusaders. But we move on to the final pool for uh, the Champions Cup. Tommy, Cast, Leinster, Montpellier, and Northampton. Do you know? I, I look at this pool, and on reputation, it should be one of the best. But I, I can't get my head around some of the style of play here. Montpellier, we know, is looking to purchase. They're in the market for players. Aaron Cruden has been linked with the club. Northampton just continue to battle along without ever really impressing. Uh, and Leinster, I think, in a similar way to Munster, a, a little bit low on where they have been in the past. 
Yeah, that's very fair. Um, Montpellier, they're going through a slightly strange time at the moment, almost like a purgatory thing. They're, they're kind of on the verge of getting divorced with Jake White and then bringing in the new wife of Vern Cotter. So I'm not quite sure if they know whether they're coming or going. Um, and then with Northampton, they were dreadful against North Camp- uh, against Harlequins on Saturday. I was there for that. They were really, really poor by, that, mm. by their high standards. But then they still have, you know, George North, these sort of players. They've got JJ Hamrahan and Dylan Hartley to come back from injury. And then Leinster was dear old Stuart Langster there as their new defence coach. Yeah. Once they get going, you know, they've got, again, they've got this promise, but we haven't seen Sean O'Brien in so long. Rob Carney seems to be um, kind of refining his best form at the moment. Mm. Sexton as well. Get them from football and they'll be off and running. But again, it's just a case of kind of getting this pool going. And I think out of all of them, the sort of pragmatism of Montpellier might fare the best there. But I think Leinster, you know, they're, they're slowly finding some sort of magic there again. they got a really nice bunch of young players coming through. So Leinster will probably, um, I think, probably have the best chance of topping that one. Yeah, well, they do love Champions Cup footy, that is for sure. You're on the Rugby Pass podcast. It is uh, Wednesday, the 12th of October. We're counting down to the start of the Champions Cup. But of course, all the other competitions in full swing. And uh, also with us today is Tom Hamilton, editor of ESPNscrum.com. And Tommy, I guess now our sights are getting set on the Autumn Internationals uh, and uh, international rugby returns to Europe, which I think is exciting for a lot of fans. But given what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, the drama of Eddie Jones's two-day camp with the English squad, the injuries that resulted from that camp, the reaction of some of the Premiership clubs... Uh, what do you make of the club attitude towards these November internationals? It's a really interesting one because everything was going so well and then a player gets injured and then everyone's like, oh, didn't expect that from a training session. At the end of the day, this is a deal signed off between Premiership Rugby and the RFU. They signed everything off. So Eddie Jones has given the players for a set amount of time. What he does with them is up to him. So, of course, he's going to try and put them through some sort of rigorous training sessions. How else is he going to know if a player like Sam Jones is going to be able to cut it at international level if he's not training at that sort of intensity? So I don't I don't think Eddie, in this in this instance, has done anything wrong whatsoever. I think it's much more above him in, in the way where these sort of things, if you're not allowed to do full contact training, then put this in the agreement because just about every single other stipulation is in there. Um, similarly, the timing of the camp is probably not best, though. In the run-up to the um, Champions Cup, I can understand why the clubs are so annoyed. I feel for them in this sort of regard when you, you give your players away with, um, uh, you know, you, you trust them with England and then they come back with Jack Noel injured, Anthony Watson and Sam James. You're going to be a bit miffed. But it's one of these sort of things where it's the perfect storm at the moment. But I think it's a problem which is probably higher up above Eddie rather than through his direct doing, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does, mate. Well, it reminds me of a conversation, you know, after the All Blacks held up the Springboks on the weekend, uh, Nick Mallett was speaking to Supersport and he talked about the New Zealand system where we pick our All Black side out of five franchises, out of five Super Rugby teams, which does make it easier for the All Black selectors and coaches to get around those teams to see their players uh, and to maybe impart a little bit of wisdom on the coaches or to give the coaches a steer on what they're looking for from these players. Harder for Eddie Jones when you've got so many clubs, so many players spread across the country to get around every club. Also, because he doesn't contract the players directly, he's got no say in how they're coached by those coaches. Nick Mallett said he wanted to see South Africa go to that New Zealand system where players are centralised coaches can get around the franchises and everyone is rowing in the same direction, if you know what I mean. But that's never going to happen for Jones, is it? So how else is he supposed to get this squad together? How else is he supposed to see them all in one place? 
But you're absolutely spot on there. And it's interesting on that Mick, Nick Mallet piece as well, that um, South Africa this week are going into their, what they call the coaching in Daba, which is where they're going to be um, bringing together all the various uh, minds from South African rugby, so the chief execs, the head coaches, Alistair Kirtley, and Brendan Venter's sort of chairing this. And they all kind of put their collect the brains trust together, put the band back together for one last tour, and then try and work out what to do with South African rugby. Because having watched that game on Saturday, I watched it almost with a tinge of sadness. And because, you know, that, that test, the, the New Zealand test in South Africa is normally the best test of the year. It's closely fought, comes down to the last couple of plays. The standard of rugby is on another planet. But at the moment, I mean, the Springboks could play New Zealand on Mars all blacks don't have a spacesuit and they'll still win because they're just so far above anyone else at the moment that regardless of what happens, they've got the perfect system, even down to the Mitre 10 Cup. Um, there's players coming through there. There's something really, you know, something tangible to play there, which yeah. still seems to have a lot more significance and kept its real um, sort of excitement levels than, than the Curry Cup, which is just kind of, it just slips under the radar now, which again is a crime shame because, you know, remember the days of, you know, the 95 uh, Rugby World Cup with the Springboks then. That was all around Curry Cup rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of, yeah, of the interesting bits they had to break down within the camp as well. Yeah. No, and I, that's I, just I gone as well. So in terms of England, um, in terms of England now, uh, when Eddie, before Eddie um, took the job, he spoke to ESPN and said, Look, whoever is the next England coach, a.k.a. Mr. E. Jones, has to bring in sense of contracts. And then immediately when he was unveiled, he suddenly realised that that is slightly unlikely. Mm. So... He's got this is the best system he's for an England coach so far, the most access. But with it comes these sort of caveats, these pitfalls, which is where they expect players not to get injured. Well, let's stick with England uh, for the moment, Tom, because I know you're very close to that side and you follow them very closely. But let's talk through these November internationals. So, where do you see the biggest risk for Eddie Jones in terms of perhaps suffering his first loss in charge? Uh, I think Argentina, perhaps, mainly because. Watching them on Saturday, they play such off-the-cuff rugby that there's an unpredictability about them. I, I so admire their playing style. This sort of um, this blind, uh, not blind. That's unfair. This more sort of again, it's heads up. They just go from anywhere, offloading off their own try line, which perhaps in a test match might be deemed uh, perhaps pushing the envelope a little bit too far. But if they get on on their straps, get a really fit team together. I mean, this Argentina team on Saturday was without so many players. There's no Hernandez, there's no Issa, there's no Lobe, no Montero, no um, Ayerza. The list just goes on and on and on. Mm. But they still really play well. Um, they had a fly-off who couldn't you know, hit a barn door, so, but yet they still managed to keep Australia ticking away. I think Argentina might pose the biggest threat. And then Australia are an interesting package because for so long this year, we've been waiting for the real Wallabies to stand up. That team we saw get to the final of last year's World Cup. They haven't really appeared to be uh, close to that level, anywhere near it, really. I really think they miss Adam Ashley Cooper and Matt Gitto in those sort of key decision roles and also in that influence. But if they, you know, if they get a nice little run together throughout November, then December the 3rd at Twickenham will be a fantastic game. And they will want nothing more than to end uh, Eddie's unbeaten run if it still is at that stage by then. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm really looking forward to these November internationals. But I just, I think it just gives us a chance to maybe refocus on on the strength of uh, the, the, the hemispheres relatively. There's been so much talk about that all-black side. And, and yes, I understand they're putting on the points. Yes, I understand they're playing a brand of rugby that certainly works for them. Uh, but, you know, Mark Reason wrote a column here this week saying, you know, it's the mediocrity of the opposition that make the All Blacks look great. Uh, this becomes, for me, a defining 
northern season for European rugby, for Ireland's and the Scotland's and the England's and the French to maybe make a statement against the Southern Hemisphere. If they go and lose to teams like South Africa and Australia and Argentina, who have been soundly whipped by the All Blacks all season long, what does that say about the state of the North? Absolutely bang them. I think, I think the, the crying shame is that we're not going to see England versus the All Blacks as well, because I think that's the test which everyone would love to see now, just to see exactly where England are in relation to the best team in the world. But, I mean, we are looking at an underpowered South Africa still trying to find their feet. We're looking at Australia, who are going through a stage of evolution. Um, looking at Argentina, who haven't got a single one of their European-based players. So yeah. Immediately, they've lost about two and a half million worth of caps. And then, if, if, if the Northern Hemisphere teams, who have kind of had a nice little run in the start of the season, aren't knocking over these Southern Hemisphere teams who are at the end of a long season, then I think... Yeah, questions have to be asked, and especially this in a Lions year, when everyone's looking towards building towards June. Oh, totally. What's going to be a really, really fun six weeks. Hmm. But um, if the Lions going to have any hope of knocking over the All Blacks, and everyone has to be playing the best rugby of their careers without the slightest injury and, um, you know, finding that extra 2%. Uh, it's going to be a great season, Tom. As always, my friend, thanks for joining us on the Rugby Pass podcast today. Enjoy the Champions Cup this weekend, and then we'll get back into the Premiership. And I note with interest... Your Bath side has only lost once under Todd Blackadder and Tumbai Matson. The good times are rolling in Bath, my friend. You know what? It's going all right. So um, <laughs> I was there on Friday night. Enthusiasm, um, Tom. Enthusiasm. The, <laughs> the, uh, it's been it's been one of the, you know when you watch them for twenty years, and uh, <laughs> they've won one trophy since I was just about to leave junior school. Um, <clears throat> You kind of uh, have seen a few of these uh, dreaded full storms, but um, the players are loving it under Todd and Tabai. Um, Todd and Tabai, I met Tabai a couple of weeks ago, and he's just absolutely bought into Spark. The players are buying into what they're doing as well. A real sense of optimism around the place. The only problem is they've got a small squad. At the moment, just about everyone's injured. I'm maybe playing on Thursday night for them as things are standing <laughs> on the wing. And... Um, that's kind of where we are at the moment. But it's, I mean, they played the whole season so far without Falatau, without Dave Tempson, yeah. without Francois Lowe, without Matawali, these sort of players. And that's that's a hell of a lot of experience there. Charter's got injured after two games. They're perhaps um, a tight head short. We've got Henry Thomas who's doing really well. But, you know, there's not a lot of depth behind him. Definitely a couple of inside centres short. We've got Robbie Fruin arriving in a couple of weeks. Maybe Ben Tapawai. Um, and then we've got Dan Bowden, who's a, a, such a gifted player but has had a really bad run of injuries recently. But when he gets back, when everyone gets fit, then Bath will be in a pretty good place. I think, judging by the fact that they had such a big sort of starting, well, not really a, a start again mode, it's a big turnover in the summer with yeah. their two interceptors leaving, the coach leaving, that where they are at the moment is the best they could have hoped for. And the best they could have hoped for is perhaps a little bit harsh. It's what they could have really hoped that, that actually happened. And it's, what they're doing at the moment, Tabai and Todd are doing so well there. The players are happy, and um, when that all happens, everything starts to click. I'm looking forward to seeing you on the wing, Tommy. It's been a long time. Thanks again for joining us on the Rugby Pass podcast. RugbyPass.com, all the Champions Cup action, all of the November internationals, and so much more. Join up today, RugbyPass.com. Mm-hmm.